Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Let's Talk TV Live. I'm your host, Barbara Barnett. I'm the executive editor of Blog Critics Magazine, where I also serve as senior TV and film editor. And I'm also the editor-in-chief and publisher of the blog Let's Talk TV. So if you like the show, please visit my profile page on Blog Talk Radio and be sure to follow us. Better yet, subscribe to my blog on letstalktv.barbarabarnett.com and Thirdly, download the free app from iTunes or at play.google.com to download it for your Android device. Speaking of the app, we are sponsored tonight by Wireless One Marketing, where they can develop for you a great app at an affordable price. My app was developed by the Wireless One team, so if you want to see what they can do, just download the Let's Talk TV app, but you can also reach the Wireless One team at 847-637-2514 for a free demo. That number is, again, 847-637-2514. Or visit their website at www.appapp2020.com. If your business isn't mobile-friendly, then you're missing on big opportunities, and I have learned that absolutely. So, also, our humble little show is sponsored by Chasing Zebras, the unofficial guide to House MD. You can pick up a copy of Chasing Zebras in paperback, all 429 pages with pictures and everything, everywhere books are sold. You can also get it in ebook form everywhere ebooks are sold for Kindle, for Nook, for iBook, for you name it, it's there. So absolutely make sure that you pick up a copy if you don't already have one. Um, is the sound not working? Uh-oh, it's not, uh, that's not a good thing. Really? Uh-oh, we've got a problem with our sound. Um, hang on one second. Jerome? Yes. Are you there? Can you hear me on, on the show? I'm not on the show, I don't think. I mean, okay. I'm called in. I'm not okay. here. Jerry, are you also there? Yep, I can hear I you through the browser. Okay, you can hear me? I'm good? Mm-hmm. All I right. Can. Everyone can hear me. Oh, yay. I was concerned because somebody put in the chat room, is the sound not working? And I, You know, J- Jerome, you know, Jim, that happened to us once, and that sort of was freaky. So, <laughs> <laughs> that was an interesting experience, but it is working. Yes, but who's looking? That actually happened to me when Joe Malazzi was on the air with me. Mm-hmm. Embarrassing executive producer of Stargate, and like, oh my god, so um, that was kind of interesting. Okay, but anyway, I think we're all here. Uh, let me just finish promoing um, the show a little bit. Um, we are now at nearly 125,000 listens on Let's Talk TV Live. It's totally insane, totally insane. One of the episodes I did a couple weeks ago went viral, so that is a lot of it. Um, But I'm not sure how that all happened. So please spread the word. Um, And also the House Rewatch that I started a couple of Tuesday nights ago uh, is also taken off. We've had several thousand people download uh, both of those shows. And last week I had Bob and Bergstrom on the show um, you guys know who Bobbin is? Yes, me too. Yeah, she was wonderful to have on the show. Um, and she's going to come back on 
Uh, and, and she can add some great insight about stuff that happens. And if you guys want to have a listen, everyone in the audience, to that interview that I did with Bobbin, a um, couple of cute anecdotes and some things that I didn't even know. And I'm sort of, I think, the maven on house. Um, and I, I, I learned a couple of new things. Um, so please make sure that you uh, you like us and you follow us and all that other stuff. So I am joined on the show tonight by TV bloggers extraordinaire, Jerry Weaver. Hi, Jerry. Hello. And Jerome Wetzel TV, also who I have decided I am going to call Jim. That's fine. Okay. And both of them write for blog critics and other places, too. And I am thrilled to have them on tonight to talk about the shows we follow and see what's coming up on our favorite uh, shows or shows that we write about uh, during this all-important sweeps month that starts, wow, next week. It's February. I am so happy it's February. Um, the, the sun is beginning to stay out a little longer, and, and uh, it's going to be 65 degrees in Chicago tomorrow. So I can't wait for that. Um also, by the way, guys out there, if you did not uh, listen to my interview um, that I did last Monday night with Jane Espenson, the fabulous Jane Espenson, she was on the show for an hour, and we talked once upon a time, and it was a great interview, I think. And for those of you who uh, don't want to listen to an hour-long radio show necessarily, although you should listen to this one, um, I am I am in the process of putting together a highlights of the interview that will be in print. And I hopefully later this week it will go up on Blog Critics and it will also go up on Let's Talk TV. So um, it will be a highlight sort of thing, not the entire transcript. The transcript is something like 75 pages long, way, way too long. So, so guys, so t- tell me what shows you're watching. And what shows am I not what, watching? What what shows? I know, Jim, you're watching like everything. So I'm still shows, behind on most things, but I am caught up on your favorites tonight. So you're caught up on Once Upon a Time and Elementary, which isn't coming back. Well, it's coming back on the air this week. Um, yes, I'm caught up on both of those. Excellent, excellent. What about you, uh, Jerry? What do you? And you also, by the way, Jim, you also follow Glee. Yes, I do. And, uh, you know, whatever other shows you talk, you, you watch and you follow, we'll talk about those two um, if you, uh, you want to make mention. Um, so, Jerry, what are the shows that you want to talk about? It'll be Supernatural, I'm sure. Definitely. That'll be um, – that's the number one show that I love to write about. But I'm also watching Elementary and really enjoying that, so I can talk, join in on those discussions. And I picked up a couple of new ones, actually, because I thought, well, I'll just try them. So I watched Legit, and I also watched The Fallen just to see whether or not they would catch me. And I decided they did enough that I will take in a few more episodes. Great. And I actually watched the first two episodes of the new sci-fi show, Continuum. It's interesting. It's interesting. Um, I also <laughs> interviewed uh, the, the stars of it and uh, – the creator of the show, and it's a really interesting premise. Um, but I'm not a hundred percent sure I'm going to stay with it. So um, I'm waiting. There are a couple of shows I'm really excited and anticipate. I'm excited about and anticipating watching again. Among them is, of course, when Game of Thrones comes back in March, and uh, then a couple of new shows: Do No Harm and uh, Monday Morning. Do No Harm, which is 
going to be on NBC and Monday mornings, which is going to be on TNT, I think. Um, which is actually kind of interesting because TNT has these like little sleeper shows that come in, um, and and they just like Perception, which I caught last summer, which I kind of enjoyed, um, is on TNT. So um, there every once in a while they come in with one of those. Um, we have someone in the chat room saying, "I love Sherlock Holmes dearly, but I refuse to tune in to a version with a female Watson. That was a deal breaker." You know what, um, Betsy? You should give it a try. You should give it. A, you should really give it a try. Um, I, I really. You won't it, it, give it a try. That's all I keep saying. I keep saying give it a try because if nothing, if for nothing else, Johnny Lee Miller is fantastic, and Betsy, you're the one that said it, and he's like a really good friend of Carlisle's. <laughs> I'm just saying that in parentheses. Um, it's uh, it's great. He's Johnny Lee Miller, as I've said before, I haven't liked him in a lot of the stuff that he's done. Well, I, didn't, I can't. I, I don't mean to say that. I haven't liked a lot of the 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 things that he's done. I've always liked him in them, but I haven't really loved some of the stuff he's done. I know, Jim, you loved Eli Stone. Oh, very much. You did. I wasn't crazy about Eli Stone. I watched it all the way through. Um, I liked it. I didn't adore it. Um, and I like Johnny Lee Miller in Train Spotting, of course, and which is a great movie. And uh, Plunkett and McLean, which nobody else in the world liked except me, because it's just too strange. I don't. Have you either of you ever seen that movie? No. It not only it's has not- Johnny Lee Miller in it, it also has Robert Carlyle in it. So, yeah. So it was. It was. It's a strange movie. It think. Think highwaymen in the 1800s in England. Cool. That actually sounds kind of interesting. With with a very um, ultra modern sort of punk score. And and Alan Cumming, and uh, Alan Cumming and um, 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 Ken Stott. It's got a, oh and uh, Lily. T- um, gosh, um, Liv Tyler, and uh, it's got a great cast. So, Actually, everything you mentioned sounds wonderful. Yeah, you should. Okay, so here you go, guys. Here's your assignment for the week. <laughs> it's on. It's on Netflix. Plunkett and McLean. Oh, Katie says she saw Plunkett and McLean in the movie theater. Showing your age? You, no, you're not. It was 1999. My goodness, I already had two kids by 1999. So. <laughs> I was still in high school in 1999. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! <laughs> you were still in high school in nineteen. 19- oh my goodness! I didn't graduate till two thousand one. Okay, you're like really <laughs> young. Let's see. Well, my my older daughter, my oldest child was thirteen in nineteen ninety nine. That's all I'll tell you. Okay. <laughs> so, um, okay, so here, you know, here, guys, you know, Plunkett McLean. That's your assignment of the week, and we'll talk about it next week. So I want to go on to, um, do you mind if we talk about Once Upon a Time first? Sure. Okay. Um, Jerry, do you watch Once, or I I can never remember? No, I've I've watched the beginning episodes, but I haven't actually found a way to catch up because I can't download um, anything because I'm from Canada. And so let me, season one, but not season two. Oh, how bad. That's terrible because you know what? The Canadian um, episodes get the best promos. You remember with House, like everyone... Uh 
wanted to get the Canadian promos because they were so much better than the it's ones the on the same with Supernatural. They just have yeah. so much better of a cut that they, they know what people want to be intrigued with. And everybody salivates um, after whatever episode of Once Upon a Time it was. Where's the Canadian one? Where's the Canadian promo? Where's the Canadian? We got to see the Canadian promo. And it's true. It's true. There, it's like everyone. That's a hot property. So see, that's what you should do, Jerry. Is you should you should go and only record the promos for um, for Once Upon a Time, and upload them to um, upload them to your YouTube. And then 15 million people will watch. I'm killing them hits. Huh, yeah, you'll get a million. I'm writing that down, Barbara. You should. You should. I will be looking for it. That's that's your second assignment of the week, Jerry. Ah. Um, okay. So let's talk about Once Upon a Time because because I just got speaking of the um, February sweeps. I just got the press release. From not um, not next episode because we already know kind of what next episode's about, but for the much anticipated episode Manhattan, which is going to be on February seventeenth, and that was the episode that Jane Espenson was teasing us about last week. And can, I want to read this because this is actually kind of cool. This is going to be, and Jane had said it was the best. 45 minutes of television that she'd ever read as far as the script goes. And that's what it says. While Mr. Gold, Emma, and Henry go in search of Gold's son, Balefire, in New York, Cora, Regina, and Hook attempt to track down one of Rumpelstiltskin's most treasured possessions. Meanwhile, and this, yeah, meanwhile, and this is the part that I'm really excited about, especially, Meanwhile, in the fairy tale land that was, Rumpelstiltskin realizes his destiny while fighting in the Ogre Wars. Oh, you fighting in your Ogre Wars. You know, yeah, Jim, you know, you know I've been talking about that since last year. Oh, absolutely. Right? And you remember my theory when it was Desperate, when Desperate Souls first aired kind of mid-last year, um, I had said, I was really intrigued by the fact that the knight that was so cruel to him um, and humiliated him had said that by Rumpel's running away from the war, the ogre war, he had turned the tide of it. You know, he, he refused to fight and turn the tide of the war. And I've always been intrigued by that line. And I had asked Jane about it. I asked I asked Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kitsis about it, in fact, um, when I interviewed them a few weeks ago. And they said, um, just be patient. We are going to be addressing that. And I had also asked them whether, you know, I said my theory also that, um, that Rumpel is, Rumpel may only appear to, does Rumpel only appear to be a coward? Or is he really a coward? And my theory, as you guys know, is that that he's not really a coward at all. Ah, yes, as Betsy says in the chat room, the original conscientious objector. And that's actually my thinking, because that episode reminded me so much of uh, World War One and how British soldiers were pushed over the 
you know, over the uh, out into the front lines, and uh, were slaughtered. You know, slaughtered and slaughtered. Anyone who saw the movie Gallipoli or saw, which was about Australian soldiers, or um, who saw season four of Black Adder, in fact, um, really understand what I'm what I'm saying. And um, I've always that's always bothered me that that line. And I actually, in my review of that episode, actually wrote about it. So now, in Manhattan, not only do we get maybe the resolution of, uh, or at least some clues um, about Balefire. We also get the Ogre Wars, and we find out. I am so excited. And and Betsy is also putting in the chat room um, that one should also see uh, several other movies like Go Now, Summer, The Mighty The Mighty Celt, um, and of course California Solo, which by the way is coming out in March on DVD. California Solo is Carlisle's newest movie. So, um, and Bla- Katie likes La Cat- Black Adder. Katie likes Black Adder. All right. So, so that's what's kind of coming up. We know that um, that Rumple and Emma are going to head off to New York, and we know that also in Manhattan, Neil Cassidy is going to be back. So, um, and Neil, of course, is as you guys know, um, Jerry, you might not know because you're not caught up. Neil Cassidy is Emma's. Um, former love and um, Henry's father. So, um, but he's in that episode as well. So they're all going to meet up, and there's a lot of speculation that Neil Cassidy is, in actual fact, Rumpel's son, Balefire. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of an interesting speculation. And I've also seen this is the last thing I'm going to say about once for right now, and then I'll turn it over to you guys. Is uh, and then ask Jim's uh, also what Jim is thinking about it um, is that I've seen some pictures from this coming up week of uh, Once Upon a Time. Um, ABC just posted them in the press room, and I haven't posted them yet because I literally just saw them five minutes before the show went on the air. So I will be posting those up on my blog later tonight. Um, But one of the pictures is um, of Charming literally strangling the life out of Hook on his ship in modern-day Storybrooke. So I wonder what that's all about. Um, Katie is going on about Black Adder, second only to Monty Python. Yay, Monty Python. We have the entire collection. So, Jim, do you have any thoughts on what's coming up on Once Upon a Time? Well, I I don't watch the promos at all, American or Canadian, because I do feel like a lot of shows, I think we've talked about this before, I've just got so tired of, things being ruined by promos, mm-hmm. but uh, from what you're saying, of course, the uh, the Manhattan storyline, uh, I'm interested in that, but I also want to know what's going on with the guy in the hospital. Who is he, yeah. and where did he come from? When the car cro- crossed, uh, crossed the line and crashed, I just assumed it was Neil, and so seeing somebody else has really got me on edge, and the fact that it, we just got that little taste in that episode, and it didn't go anywhere yet, really well, kind of frustrated me. He is going to be in this coming up week's episode. That much we know. And, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, he's also listed among the guest stars in Manhattan. Okay, so he's, he's I figured he'd be sticking for a little while. He's going to be around, and the other thing is there was a big close-up on his license plate. Uh-huh. I have it on good authority from Jane Espenson, who wrote the episode herself, <laughs> that 
the number on the license plate doesn't really mean much. Um, but we are supposed to be aware that he is coming from another place that is not mm -hmm. Storybrooke. And whether or not Pennsylvania is specifically something we should be aware of, she was being cagey about. So, Which sounds like there is something there, if she's yeah, being cagey. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, the, the other thing about this coming week's episode that I saw in the promo that kind of I'm, I'm scratching my head a little bit and saying, huh, what's going on here, was um, when Emma and uh, Rumpel, Emma and Mr. Gold, go to the airport, and we see Gold go through the um, metal detector. And mm -hmm. something happens to him. He he almost falls. Um, he almost falls on his face. It's clear that he got dizzy or something was going on because he did not look well. Do you think that the spell that gets him out wears off after a short time? Maybe he can only leave town for a little bit? You know, I have a couple of thoughts. One, I'm wondering if what Cora, you know, that kiss that he and Cora shared, ooh, that kiss that he and Cora shared did something to his magic. Hmm. Could uh, be. Could be. So, um, and again, I asked Jane, good journalist that I am, and she said, you just got to keep watching. <laughs> of course she did. Said. So, um, yes. Um, anyway, uh, so let's go on to uh, Jerry. Jerry, so what's going on? You didn't, did you, is it, did I read right? Or were you not as fond of the, la or have you not been as fond of Supernatural this season? Um, I think what I am is I'm really conflicted because I feel like one of the storylines, is going wonderfully well. It's fresh. It's invigorated. It, it's answered a lot of issues that were creeping up in previous seasons, and I have absolutely loved it. On the other hand, the other main storyline, it's not impossible that they can tie this up in a way that I'll feel that it's been well told, but at the moment, I have some issues with it. I do feel that there are some things that have not been set up well, and unfortunately, they're right at the core of the show because it's actually the relationship between the brothers. And I think you can't really deconstruct that and not hmm. construct it back again in a really satisfying way on that show. Hmm. Hmm. So what do you think's going to how do you think they're you think they're gonna be able to deal with it or do you think they're they're getting they, they, they might be able to get back on a path at all? I suspect that some of it I'm just gonna to have to accept and move forward, even in the best case scenario. Because I wasn't really convinced by the motivation in the, in the premiere of this season about why Sam would not look for his brother when he disappeared. Because he, his personality is known to be obsessive, and mm -hmm. certainly they have a very strong relationship. But they decided instead they would have him just be sort of wandering aimlessly. And I thought, it's not that you cannot convince me that he would have that attitude, but you're going to have to show me why he wouldn't. And they had all these these flashbacks and for... Dean, the older brother, the flashbacks about what happened to him while he was in purgatory were absolutely wonderfully told. Whereas with Sam and what happened to him in his year on Earth while Dean was away, I thought they were not wonderfully told because they didn't answer any of the questions that I had. Hmm. I thought, if you show me flashbacks, at least tell me what I want to know in them. So, yeah, I've been having a few issues about that, but I think I can get past that part of it if they can at least make 
when the boys reconnect, that it's reciprocal connecting. And so far, I feel it's a bit one-sided from Dean to Sam and not Sam to Dean. And since that's the weaker storyline to me, I really need more there. Hmm. Interesting. I'm far from giving up. I still think there's a lot of good stuff happening, but I really think that they have to carefully handle the bond because that's the engine that drives the show. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so do you, can you share any tidbits from what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks? They basically, um, I think they think they've wrapped up much of that personal happiness equation storyline, which is what did each, each of them need in order to be happy, and the fact that it doesn't seem to be the same thing, which makes their partnership difficult, because what Dean wants from Sam is exactly what Sam doesn't want to give. But I think they think now that they've got the boys working together, Sam's both feet in, and so what's coming up now is that they have to get the quest really moving. And I think what they're going to do is they have two tablets. They only know about one tablet, which is a tablet which will help them to close the doors of hell and keep demons inside, which would be regarded as a very good thing. And now what they don't know is that there's also an angel tablet, and there's a secret angel enclave which doesn't want that tablet found and has now entered the story and are, are controlling Castiel without Castiel knowing that he's so now we're going to find out. Now we've got the stake. We need now to know, well, how, what's the actual quest going to be? They're going to set it up like a Hercules plot, which I think is actually quite good for this show. And so they're going to have to have three tasks, but only one brother can carry out all three tasks. So we don't know what the tasks are yet, and we don't know which one of them will end up being the one that has to do all three. So okay. I think that's going to have a little bit of brother interaction about which one does the task. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, speaking of supernatural stuff, um, I just, you know, I just found out today that uh, for people who are X-Files fans, did you, again, I don't, I don't remember. Are you guys X-Files fans? I am, I, although I just follow all the seasons. Okay. I, I stopped watching after mid-season seven, I confess. <laughs> I wasn't crazy about it after Mulder left, um, and, you know, I kind of, like, okay, the show's over for me. What about you, Jim? I've seen a handful of the episodes, mostly early ones. It's one of the shows I've I've always felt the urge to go back and watch and just have not found the time to do it. It's really good up until – it's really good up through maybe the end of season six. Um, I would say, and then it kind of gets hokey. Um, but anyway, the news is that IDW, which is the big comic book publisher, oh, that's and, right, right, and they had um, there was a, a number of years ago, back in the mid '90s, all the way through 2000, there had been occasional um, comic books that were published by Tops, and I actually read a couple of them. And I was a huge X-File with a P-H-I-L-E, X-File. And I was a an Uster, but not – I was not exactly a no-Romo, but I wasn't a Mulder Scholar shipper either. Um, but um, using all that terminology. Um, but I found out that IDW and Fox have collaborated, and they will be reissuing – some of the more classic comics, but then they're going to be starting a whole new comic series that picks up from the end of the second movie, which I wasn't crazy about the second movie, 
but uh, it can certainly be redeemed for some really, really nice um, story at, that takes place post-movie, uh, too. I read that one today as well, Barbara, and I was thinking that the nice thing about X-Files, it will really suit a comic book because then you can take it anywhere. Yeah. There's just so many things that you can do story-wise with it. Oh, there's a ton of stuff. And Katie uh, is saying in the chat room, I liked Millennium, same creator's X-Files, but it lost the plot early on. Uh, she loves Lance Henriksen, of course, who starred in Millennium um, after appearing on the X-Files a couple of times. Um, and by the way, I have an interview that I did with Dean Hagland, who was um, one of the lone gunmen. He played Ringo Hadley um, the uh, long, with the long, sort of the Garth-looking um, character with the long blonde hair on uh, on the X Files, and I did a very long interview with him um, over the I think in December, late in December, um, and I published it out on Blog Critics, and it's on my blog and on Blog Critics. So one of these days, I'm going to take that interview, and I have his permission, and I am going to uh, upload it and play it. Um, on uh, on Let's Talk TV Live so everybody can hear it live. But that was also an interesting chat I had with him about the X-Files and um, how it really, they by the end, they had all sort of lost interest from, you know, Duke Coveney, Jillian Anderson. Everyone had sort of lost interest. Everyone believed, and that was back in the day when it was the studio alone that said whether or not you could, finish your series or not. So Chris Carter had had like a five-year plan and hadn't planned on going beyond five years. Well, Fox, because it was such a hit, had other ideas and kind of kept them indentured. And the idea was to go through five seasons, do a movie, and then do a series of movies, sort of like Star Trek had done. And uh, Fox had other ideas. So uh, the, the network, not Mulder. Um, and so that sort of, but anyway, that was a really interesting interview. So I'm going to, I'm going to upload it one of these days, but, but you can check it out. Um, so I wanted to bring that to people's attention because that's kind of a cool thing. And, um, I've just been in contact with them today and, uh, the editor in chief for the series is going to come on the show. I'm thinking in March to spend some time, uh, talking about the X-Files and the new comic book series. So if you're an X-Files fan, um, stop on by, you know, in March, and I'll have more information as we solidify those plans. But I've been in contact with them, and uh, that should be kind of fun. Well, comics did a wonder for rebooting Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. Mm-hmm. So it seems like it's kind of a trend thing here. That, you know, if we can't get these shows back on television or we can't get a movie made, let's just continue it in comic books. Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, you know who writes the Buffy comics is Jane Espenson. Right, and Joss Whedon, uh, I'm not sure how involved he is now, but when they launched, he was overseeing it very closely. Yeah, and of course, he and Jane work together very closely on a lot of different projects. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, But yeah, and, um, you know, I actually had asked Joe Malazzi when I had him on the show in December, I said, you know, a lot of people who loved Stargate Universe, um, it was canceled prematurely because... People didn't quite get the show after the other two Stargate series, um, and a lot of people stopped, didn't watch it because they thought it was too dark and too serious, um, unlike the other Stargates. And so the, the series was canceled, 
Um, and there was a fairly decent resolution, but not a real resolution. So I had asked him, I said, you know, what about continuing the series as a comic book? And I guess there's still hope that they're going to be able to do a movie that kind of brings it all together at some point. So, hey, you Stargate Universe people out there, push for a movie or a comic or something. But, yeah, that was kind of a – that is seeming to be the trend, and that's kind of a, kind of a cool way for writers to keep telling their story even beyond. Who knows? There could be a house comic that details <laughs> the year in the life of uh of Wilson and the uh, house and how how it all ended ended. They can use your script, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> true, true, true. So let's go on. Let's talk about oh, I wanted to talk a little bit. Um I'm bouncing around again. We're very stream of consciousness here on Let's Talk T V Live. And by the way, if you're liking the show, tweet it out. Make sure people are listening along with you. Send a tweet. Uh, follow the show. Um, we like to know that you're listening and that you like us. So um, did you guys watch the Screen Actors Guild Awards last night? No. I didn't watch them, but I do know who won. Yeah, okay. I looked at the winner's list. But, yeah, I agree. Didn't watch them. Not a lot of surprises, but it brings up to me once again that there should so totally be both the Emmys, the Golden Globes, the SAGs, um, even the, the WGA Awards, uh, the Writers Guild War Awards, there should be a distinction between network shows and cable shows. Um, it, there is so not uh, an equity between those venues um, cable shows, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant. If you guys don't mind, you can chime no, in. Um, cable shows are usually on for 13 episodes or 10 episodes even, 10 or 13 episodes. They come on. They have the full hour. They can do things and they can go places that network shows cannot go. And yet they're balanced against um, uh, network shows. So all those years that House was on, um, all those years that House was on and Hugh Laurie got nominated again and again and again for all these awards, he was literally the only actor that was nominated in the drama category for a non-cable show. And this year in the Screen Actors Guild Awards, there were no network actors nominated in the drama category. For drama, yeah, as you say, comedy they still do. But, comedy yeah. they do because because cable doesn't really do half hour comedy. Well, and, and that's another spin off of your argument that I was ranting about on my column a week or two ago. That cable's version of comedy, I mean, some cable does comedy. FX has great comedies that are hilarious. But HBO and Showtime's version of comedies aren't comedies. And it drives you crazy when you toss Nurse Jackie in a comedy category and she'll beat out Tina Fey and the Women from Modern Family or whatever. And what she's doing has funny moments, but it's a drama, even if it is a half an hour. Yeah. Well, you know, it was like in, uh, like, Les Mis in the mm -hmm. Golden Globes being classified as a comedy slash musical. <sighs> yes. Which. Well, it's a musical part. It was It was a musical, but it was a, such, it was a drama. Oh, Not all enough. musicals are comedies anymore. This isn't the 60s. Right. 
so you know there so there's a, there's a whole another argument there and i think jim you did you made that argument too in a column that you wrote for us on blog critics that was something like mm-hmm. that yeah, well, I was concentrating on TV, but Smash is a TV musical that should not be in the comedy category. I mean, sure, stick it in comedy, but Smash should be in the drama. Right, right, right. So so we real, they really need to do some rethinking. But my big thing is, you know, is really the cable versus network. Because those poor, especially in the drama category, for the, you know, for the actor, not so much actresses, because, again, it's, it's a little more equitable, but in the actor category, boy, those network guys just don't have a chance. Uh, I, I know last – I'm sorry? Go ahead. I think the extra 15 minutes that the cable shows go, more than I think the fact that, you know, that they could do some extremely, you know, um, different stuff with how much nudity and how much swearing. But for me, the really key part is they get 15 more minutes to tell every story. And right. what you could do with 15 minutes is amazing. So, of course, right. they can – but if they do 13 episodes a year and the network does 22, right. I, I mean, there's still the network people are going to get more time. But but what happens is when you're when you've got to go with that six act formula, oh yeah, where you have to make room for all those commercials, it mm-hmm. break, sometimes breaks things in unnatural places, um, and it also keeps things from being more intense. And it really, I think it really does make it unfair. Um, to the network. Also, the 15 minutes being on every show lets you tell that one story with more depth. But having to come up with 22 different stories is actually detrimental because it's very hard to keep the quality alive for 22 consecutive stories as opposed to 10 or 13. Right. That's very true. Right. And, And like British TV really only does like 6 or 10 or 13 episodes to a season. And what they do, like what cable does, is and I and the people I've talked to who do cable writing, um, they just like in in British television, uh, plot out and write out everything ahead of time before they start shooting. So they know what they're going to be doing, and I think that's true on some Canadian television as well. Um, when I was talking to Joe Malazzi, I said, you know, it's really interesting. You guys have like a, a little tiny subtle little thread here that doesn't come up until halfway through season two and that little teeny tiny foreshadowing at the beginning of season one all of a sudden takes on greater significance which is why i like to watch the shows over and over because it's like so fun to find this i said how do you how do you do that and he said very simple they really plot it out from the beginning you know they may not know every single nuance but they know exactly what's going to happen. And that's much more in the British mold of, of TV. So, you know, you've got a lot more, um, you know, the fewer episodes allows you to really, allows your actors and writers to really concentrate on a much more finite set of episodes. The extra time, I mean, it's just, there's so much, there, there's just so much more that you can do. So that's why people like Hugh Laurie, even though he would get nominated, never won an Emmy. Uh, that's why actors like Robert Carlyle in um, Once Upon a Time, everyone was stunned that he didn't get nominated for supporting actor. Well, there's a reason for that. 
Um, and also because it's a sci-fi show and sci-fi shows never get anything. So we won't even go there. Who never got an award for anything. Um, but, uh, but anyway, that's, that's a little bit of my rant from last night's sex. And, uh, and also I have to take great exception to the fact that you guys watch big bang theory. Yes. I do. Okay. You guys are fans of it. I yeah. love that show. Okay. I'm not. <laughs> I do love it. I I am not. Can can I tell you why I'm not? Go for it. Okay. So I'm a science geek. Mm-hmm. I'm you know, I'm a huge nerd. Uh, there's no question. My children are nerds. My husband's a nerd, although my son is a music person. My daughter's a PhD chemist she's a PhD candidate in chemistry. Um I'm telling you the stereo first of all the stereotypes of scientists just really and then the stereotypes of jewish nerds really to me as a jewish geeky kind of person is re, as a jewish mother uh, it's really offensive and and i don't get offended by a lot of tv and that i just watched it and i was like huh so i called my daughter and I said, okay, I, am I just, like, not getting this? And I said, do you watch Big Bang Theory? She said, yeah, I watched it once or twice. And she says, I really was offended by it. And most of my friends who are in science are really offended by it. I said, good, at least it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so, guys, this is your chance. Defend Big Bang. Why should I watch that show? I think if it doesn't resonate with you, you shouldn't watch it. I think it's one of those things either it's going to speak to you or not. For me, I spent a lot of time in the chemistry department because I ended up marrying a chemist. And okay. uh, I just look back at my, my graduate years where I was dealing a lot and just lots of those people, I recognize them. Yeah, I recognize aspects of them. I do. I confess. I recognize aspects of them. I do have friends like that, but they're not as much caricatures. I guess there's a little caricature for me, but okay. So, so, uh, so, okay. Does your husband like the show? He does. He absolutely loves it, and he loves Sheldon most of all. Okay. All right. I- yeah, Sheldon's easily the biggest draw. I mean, I agree. I'm I'm geeky, and I like their geeky stuff, and I like that they reference shows that I enjoy. Yeah. But I it's like really Sheldon's wit that gets me. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll give it. A, I, I I do like the fact they're Comic Con people. I've yeah, and they spend out. a lot of, and the comic book store owner that they've visited on and off throughout the years, they added him as a main character this season, so we're getting a lot well, more comic book stuff. And he's normal. I like him. Yeah, he's fairly normal. Uh, they did a great scene this year where the girls went into the comic book store by themselves, and oh, that was oh. funny. <laughs> he kind of had to step in and protect them. I mean, I have. I mean, when I was in college, you know, it's like. I have, you know, I would go on Friday nights to this friend of mine and they would play Dungeons and Dragons or Diplomacy mm-hmm. or, you know, any number of those kinds of things. And I would kind of sit and hang out and kind of kibitz and stuff. But, um, you know, I mean, I'm pretty geeky and I do like the geeky stuff and I find humor in it. But I just, I guess I'm going to have, maybe I watched, I watched like four episodes of the first mm-hmm. season and I just, I just didn't, maybe I have to start like, in a later season, like with Supernatural. I had to start in season four because I didn't get into it before then. Anyway, 
So that was Yeah, I do think season one was a little bit weaker than some of the later seasons. I agree. So maybe I should take another take another look. By the way, guys, make sure you follow us. I, I keep saying that because I really want people to follow us um, <laughs> on on uh, Blog Talk Radio or on Let's Talk TV dot com. So um, let's talk about uh, elementary. Can we talk about elementary. Uh huh. We talked about uh, we talked about Plunkett and McLean. We talked about elementary a little bit before. Um, so elementary has the coveted post Super Bowl spot. Mm-hmm. So um it's gonna be on Thursday night, this coming Thursday night, and it's going to be on then Sunday night as well. And then it's gonna be on again the following Thursday night. So it's got oh, wow. within a week we're gonna have three new episodes of elementary, which is really cool. That's just like your heaven. Uh, it, it is. It is. Well, because, you know, Once Upon a Time isn't coming back until the 10th. Mm. Um, it gives me lots of time to talk about elementary um, and to write about elementary. And, by the way, if you guys are listening, haven't seen it, make sure you go up on the blog or on Blog Critics or on Let's Talk TV and take a look at my interview that I did with Rob Doherty, the creator of elementary. We had a very nice interview like the day after Thanksgiving, I think it was. Um, and he is also, we are also going to do another interview later this season. Um, we just haven't set a time or date, but he definitely said he'd like to do that. So um, maybe before May sweeps, we can, we can do that. Um, so the last episode of Elementary, and I don't think we've actually talked about it on the show at all yet, that last episode of Elementary just, blew me away in so many ways. Um, mm-hmm. Did you guys both see it? We both, I did, for sure. Okay. Yeah, it was excellent. I was absolutely, I was watching it, and I was saying to myself, wow, this is a network show, and they are, this is like Dexter territory. And, it really was. Right? Yeah, yeah I think that's as violent as we've ever seen Sherlock to date. Well, and the fact that they did this on network TV and they set it up so their hero is as much a villain as the villain. And that doesn't, you know, House occasionally went in that direction, but I don't think it ever got that close to as a line. No. Well, I think they got that, that touched on that raw nerve he has over Irene, yeah. which oh, we're yeah. just getting a little bit of. And that's clearly going to be what sends him into his darkest depths. Yeah, yeah, that was just, it was a stunning episode. Stunning. I thought they they put instability back on the table very much for him. Oh, yeah, and of course, Watson is really concerned about him. Well, you you can't blame her after seeing what happened. No, 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 no. Um, And he really um he really edged toward um wow and and of course everybody saw you know uh, Watson her her stint with Sherlock is over and so um she called Sherlock's father and said you know hey i really feel that i need to be um need to be staying with Sherlock i'm concerned for him and Dad said, 
nope, you're done. And she lied. So that well, she that just made him. me feel like Sherlock was completely right about his dad not caring. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love that. I hope they continue to explore his relationship with his father. That was something that on House, they didn't really do to my satisfaction. I would have loved to know more about House's relationship with his dad. Some, yeah, I agree with that. And I think that they're they're going there maybe with elementary at some point in the future. Hang on, we have a call. I'm not sure if she wants to be he or she wants to be on but or just listening, but I'm gonna see if they wanna talk. Hang on. Hello, listener. Um, I don't know if you want to come on and ask a question or make a comment, but if you do, welcome to the show. Are you just listening? I think they're just listening. Okay. I think they're just listening. Okay. Um, so so what's going to happen? I think what's, what's going on next is I think Sherlock is, like, in big trouble with um, – the New York Police Department, don't you? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, nobody bought that in the story. No, no, nobody bought it. Uh, so what do you guys think is going to happen? I think they're going to pick up on the whole idea about um, what kind of a detective is Sherlock or what actually feeds his genius. And I, I'm pretty sure that we're going to have a former drug dealer from London come back on the scene. And yeah. I think it's going to be his strong suggestion is going to be exactly what Watson does not want to hear is that you know maybe he's a better detective on drugs and since Moriarty has just entered the scene and of course we're all going to know how terrible he's going to be I think it's going to be a real question about how much do you want to hamper him yeah I really think that when Moriarty comes on the scene and I'm sure that will happen um, how does that push him and how does that affect um you know, where he's going to go. Is he going to go back on drugs? And should I don't think be a question that's going to come up? Yeah. I don't think we'll see Moriarty till at least May sweeps. Oh, yeah. But they've got to give us something during February sweeps. Something, um, I but I don't, yeah, I don't think we're going to get Moriarty. If you guys go to the CBS um, website, there is a clip from this coming Thursday's episode. I've not seen anything um much. I've seen the press releases um uh, for the next couple of episodes. So I'm not entirely sure where they're going. I think they're gonna they're kinda keeping their clothes they're keeping their cards close to their chests. Um and I think they're gonna surprise us. I think that post Super Bowl episode maybe maybe um is gonna have have Sherlock fall off the wagon. You know, that that would be an interesting way, an interesting place for them to go, um, to have him just sort of fall off the wagon and to um to really, 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 really,